time. Thank you all so much. It's been a, been a good evening, hasn't it? I appreciate Yoshi, you sharing your testimony and what God's done in your life, he's doing, and we sure will miss you, um, but we still have a few months with you, so a couple months, and uh, I know we'll make the most of that. I know you've had a good influence on my boys and my family, and so thank you in our church. And, uh, God, God is so good. My, my voice is not as good this evening. My head is not as clear, and I don't have a lot of strength, but... Um, That's what happens when you have two boys. Yeah. <laughs> Some families have three or four, so... Uh, but I think more so because God wants um, the message tonight to not only be be given, but also to be displayed, maybe. <laughs> um, tonight, if you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1... Um, Lots of times I like to preach on what God is teaching me, and what I've been going through in my own devotions. Yes. And uh, this is a passage that is is really essential to the Christian life, uh, the victorious Christian life. It's a passage that's very familiar, but ought to be something that we often refer to and think about these truths. And uh, tonight I've entitled the message, Strength and Weakness. 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1, strength and weakness. <clears throat> Essential passage for this, for us this evening. Let's start reading in verse 1. We'll read to verse number 10. This is Paul here writing, and he's really defending his apostolic authority to the church in Corinth. He's put a lot of time and investment in this church. He loves them. Um, but they're questioning his authority and the things he's having to say as he's saying those things out of love to them. And so uh, you follow along as I start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> Paul writes, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. By the way, Paul had quite a few visions from the Lord. If you go back and read through the book of Acts, what God did on the road to Damascus, what he did at other times, I think even in a jail at a time, and uh, the Macedonian call, and all these things where God God told called, told Paul what to do. And the one vision that we have here, we we don't have recorded anywhere else. And uh, more than likely, this, this is from him. Verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Amen. That word caught up there is the same word we get rapture from, or to snatch, or to, to siege. Um, interesting word there. But he was caught up to the third heaven, as he's talking in the third person here. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up, again used, that same word, into paradise, and heard unspeakable words. Which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself will I not glory, but in mine infirmities or weaknesses. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger 
of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would meet with us this evening. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to have a Christian perspective on the trials, the different crucibles, the different things that we go through. Many of us plead and ask for deliverance, but Lord, we know that's not your plan. We know, Lord, that you want us to go through the trials. You want us to learn the lessons, for they're profitable for us. Lord, I ask this evening that you would do a a work, a spiritual work in our hearts as we see this evening that it's not human wisdom, it's, it's, it's not our own determination, our own strength that, that you're trying to teach us, that we need to lean upon, but it is, it is your grace, your goodness, and your strength that you give us as we humble ourselves before you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd minister to hearts today and, and help Help us to learn these lessons, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. really just have a few truths to present this evening, although there's a lot of truth in here. But I want us to think for a moment. Someone once said, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I've learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. Now, so odd because often what are we wanting in our lives? We're wanting that happiness and we're we're wanting that enjoyable experience. But often it's not through the enjoyable experiences, it's through the difficult things and the trials and the tragedies that that God really gets a hold of us and he teaches us those lessons that we need to learn and how we he kicks out the crutches that we're depending upon so that we trust in him. God puts these these trials in our lives, these difficult things, they're called the furnace of affliction. They're, they're illustrated as a pruning process. It truly is a spiritual boot camp for the soul. It is the, the molding of the clay by the potter. All these things are given so that we can mature and that we can be used for God's glory. But we've got to be willing to go through it and learn the lessons and trust Him. With me, most of the times, these are not things I enjoy. They're not things that I like. They're things I avoid and try to get out of. Um, But God has other plans, and it's better to surrender to those things and submit to his will than it is to try to fight and to kick against those things. 
You see, Paul's trial here is is called a thorn. It's a thorn in the flesh. This word for thorn, when I think of a thorn, I think of something like a sliver. Um, Jeremiah had a sliver in your hand the other day at the property. It hurt, didn't it? Hurt a bunch. It came over. I was on something, doing something, and and I could not keep doing that. I had to get down and help him, right? Because it hurt a bunch. Um, And you've had slivers like that before. Thorn bushes. We don't have any. Uh, we don't have any rose bushes at our house anymore. Uh, we used to at our former house. I loved them, but I soon realized with children it's not a good thing to have around, or with adults for that matter at times. Um, but this idea is, is more than just a little, a little uh, sliver or a thorn. The idea is like a spike. It's something that's 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 very painful. Something that's debilitating. Something that would hurt a bunch. Something, when I think of a spike, I think more of our Lord Jesus and the nails that were pierced in his, his hands and his wrists and his feet. That's what Paul is talking about here, this thorn in the flesh. And it's called a messenger of Satan. Now, obviously, God allows all things, and God is good, and God allowed things in Job's life. Uh, not Satan had totally different mindset than God did. God did it out of love and and for his glory and for Job's good through all of that. Satan's evil and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. This is called a messenger of Satan. And it says that it was there to torment or buffet, as the King James says. That word torment or buffet often is used of like torture, the buffeting, the persecution that others give. Uh, even you can read about that in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it's other other people that are tormenting or hurting the nation of Israel. And so many people have debated what this is, what this exactly is. Many people have thought because of the stonings and the things that uh, that Paul went through, that possibly it has something to do with his vision or his eyesight or possibly something where he had a speech problem, something physical. And, and that would sure seem to be what it, what it could be. It was, a, it was a thorn in the flesh. Others, though, because it's called a messenger of Satan. That word messenger, I think, is the same word where we get the idea of angel. Um, it's, remember that I didn't exactly check that in the Greek there, but one commentary said that. And um, more of the idea of somebody being a thorn in his flesh. And as he's talking about the church there in Corinth, He's talking about really a church that he loved, a church that he helped plant and spent much time there. And he's writing to them again. Most people believe this is actually the fourth letter that he's, he's, that he's written to them. The other two are not preserved in the scriptures uh, for us. They're not inspired. But it's somebody, a false teacher, a Judaizer, somebody that's came in the church and is manipulating the truth of the word of God and causing all kinds of problems in the church. It's somebody that's going exactly against what God has for the church there. You see, folks, what Paul was going through was not easy, whether it's a physical thorn in the flesh or it was a person. Lots of times the physical things are very tough, very tough to get through when you have health issues and things like that. But you know what's even tougher? When somebody you dearly love and you care for and you see them get swayed by somebody that's causing them to do error. Or it's tough when you have a relationship where somebody is is hurting or somebody has hurt you. Sometimes those are the most hurtful things that can happen in our lives when it's somebody else we love or care that 
that either does not follow God or hurts you personally. Those things are tough to go through. We don't know fully what this is, but we know that this was a suffering that Paul went through. And you think about your own life. What are some of the sufferings that you've been through that that it, you can kind of you're on the other side now, but you, you understand more of what God is, how God has taught you some things through these things that really, if you hadn't had that thorn in your flesh, you probably wouldn't have learned that lesson. You probably wouldn't be as close to God today. What is it in, in your life? Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a financial thing. Whatever that trial is, God allowed that for a purpose and for a process in your life for spiritual growth. This evening, I want to give us some truths about suffering, how God uses suffering in our life. I won't spend a long time on each truth, but I want us to get um, these truths and to understand this. You see, Paul here, I believe it's Paul that's talking about this revelation, this, this vision, whatever it was, this being snatched, transported into heaven. He's using the third person here, but I believe he's doing that because he's trying not to exalt himself and be boastful. But he's really trying to, to bring this up to say that he could glory in this. You see, he went into the very throne room of heaven, the very presence of God. It says the third heaven, and then it says paradise. This third heaven paradise is what we normally think of when we talk about heaven, the place where God's fullness dwells. Now, now, some get caught up with the third heaven idea. I, I tell you not to do that. The Jewish people, they thought there were seven heavens, okay? Um, and, and, and we don't see that anywhere else in the scriptures. Mormons would say the third heaven is the celestial, the highest. Um, but what more than likely the scriptures don't play out all those things, but we find the, in, the, in the Bible that heaven can re- be referred to as the, the atmosphere, Looking out at the atmosphere, looking out at the sky, the clouds and all the different things. And sometimes they talk about the, the heaven or the heavens in that way. Sometimes it can be the atmosphere, or the stars or the planets. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. That's not talking about heaven, the place where God's fullness dwells. But in this passage, that's what we're talking about. The place where we normally think of heaven, the, the dwelling, the abode of God. And so he, he does not... He does not bring all these things up, this spiritual experience that he's had. And, and many of us have had those highs in our lives, those experiences that, that God has really done great things in our lives. And those are wonderful things. When you got saved, that was a spiritual experience. It should have been, all right? Um, and we rejoice in that. And the answers to prayer and what God does in those times in the Word of God where God just speaks to you, those are wonderful times with the Lord. But often... It's those are culminations. Those are things that have happened after going through the valleys, after going through the tough things in our lives, the trials. And it's kind of a byproduct of some other things that have already taken place. Not always, but but lots of times. But he chooses not to glory in those things. The first point I want us to see tonight, and and not all these points are are original with me looking at this passage, but I I feel like they're very helpful for us. Um. Point number one is God uses suffering to reveal our spiritual condition. He says in verse five there. He says of such a one will I glory yet of myself, I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. 
in my weaknesses, in really my inabilities. And we see there, and then verse 6, he talks about really people would measure him by not this experience, but looking at him and understanding what all he has done and ministered there. But folks, our spiritual condition, when we go through sufferings, we see that we're needy people. We see that we have no power in and of ourselves to get through these things. We, we, we have no goodness to get through these things. It's, it's not in our strength and our abilities and, and all these things. Now, some of us are pretty good talkers and some of us are pretty determined and things like that. But God has a way of, of putting things in there that we're at our wit's end. Even though we are pretty good talkers and we're pretty strong and we're pretty determined at times, God puts things in there and says, hey, you can't get through this one. I've talked about times in my life. I've talked about going to the Denver airport. How many of you have been to the Denver airport? How many like to go to the Denver airport? All right. Sarah understands that. It kind of brings back my memory of Denver airport by the things you went through there. Um, I flew in there on Friday night, expected to fly out of there Friday night into my destination in North Dakota, Bismarck, North Dakota, Got to Denver, and they said the flight, well, after about three hours, they said the flight would not be ready to go. The plane was broken, needed to be fixed. It'd be Sunday night before we flew into North Dakota, and then I'd fly home Monday morning. <laughs> um, but, you know, in looking back at that, that was, a, that was a trial in my life. I'm not sure how well I did that um, with that one. I do know that I broke the speed limit and took a... <laughs> car a lot faster than it should have been, and I don't remember much in North Dakota and South Dakota as I drove, but, um, but the Badlands were beautiful, but that was all I remember. But, um, but I know when I'm looking back at that, I, I think, you know, God, how well did I take that trial? And God, that was there for a reason. And there was a lot of unsaved people that were there at that family reunion that um, needed to see Christ in me. So God puts those things in there and it breaks us and causes us to see that we are needy people. You know, when you're at the the airport and you're in front of the person that's supposed to help you, they don't seem like they want to help you. (laughs) You're needy. You're needy of God's help. You're needy of the strength that only the Lord can give. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, truly, this, this poverty that we're talking about is a spiritual poverty. We all, in, a, in our sin and our suffering, someone has said, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the fact is, why do bad things happen to anybody? <laughs> because we're all bad at times, right? We all have a, a sin problem. This is a fallen world. That's part of the, the byproduct of the world in which we live in. And so... This idea is that we are poor, that we're begging, that we're calling out for God's help, calling out for his mercy, calling out for his grace, calling out for his forgiveness, calling out for his righteousness. We're begging like a beggar would beg, not not just like those on the street corners, but like blind Bartimaeus that was crying out, could not see and calling out for help. That is the spiritual condition in which we ought to see ourselves, that we are We are poor and we are needy. We have nothing to offer to God, although God can use us and he can transform us and we can be vessels for him. But it's truly as God whittles us down and he whittles us down to see that we are 
nothing without Him. And truly the next verse in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I truly believe that's mourning over our sin, seeing that sin what it is, and asking God for that cleansing and that help. Not only does God use suffering to reveal our spiritual condition, but God uses suffering to humble us. We see that if we, in 2 Corinthians there in verse 12, he, he says in verse, verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And we see here that this, this verse is very clear that this thorn in the flesh was given by God. You know, it's too often that we give Satan the credit for what God is really trying to do. We need to be careful about that. Satan hates us. He wants us to kill, steal, and destroy. But if, if God has allowed a trial in our life, we need to see it truly. And this is totally, this is radical thinking. This is why it's so essential for the Christian life. We need to see the sufferings as a gift from God. It says in Ephesians there. And, and even in um, Philippians where it says that I, that, I might, that I might know his sufferings. I might know what it means that Christ went through on that cross and all that he did. We have to see these things as a gift. We know that, and this is a good thing, we, we, we become so prideful and we think that we can handle these things on our own and we, we look to ourselves instead of looking to our God and, and we, it's like we're uh, casting away the Lord at times and God says, oh no, I'm going to put something in your life where all you can do is cling to me and call to me. Proverbs 16, 18 says, and you know this verse, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. See, God uses these, these trials to help us to be weak, to be humble, to be frail, so that we're ready to listen to him. So that we're ready to trust him. What does it say in Hebrews 4? It says that, that we might be able to go to his throne of grace. That, that Jesus is the great high priest who knows what we go through. He's tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He knows the infirmities and he's, he's right there. He's at the right hand of the father interceding for us. And he's, he's asking us to come before him. It's a throne of grace. I want to give you help. I want to give you strength. Come before me, ask as needy people, and I will give you grace and mercy. God wants to give that, but we've got to be humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need to mourn over our sin. We need to see our inadequacies and see our need for God. It says there in James, as we've been going through that, that we count it all joy when we go through these, these diverse trials. And later it says that we are to, to, to lay, lay off all superfluity of naughtiness, a big word for the abundance of wickedness. The, the idea is you got dirty clothes, you got the, not that, it's talking about your salvation, it was talking about just the world as you're walking in the world and the, in all the different things. It's so easy to get ourselves dirty with sin. We need that cleansing. We need to take off that dirt. We need to take that off and we need to receive the engrafted word, the word that's implanted, the word the word that can save our souls, but we've got to receive it with meekness. 
It's not about salvation. It's talking about sanctification. It shall save us and change us and cleanse us and transform us. But we've got to be humble. We've got to let, we've got to let, that's one of the purposes for these trials is so that we can receive the word now in meekness and, and not, and not saying, oh no, I don't need to believe that. Oh no, but world, you know, but psychology says this or, or, or some talk show host says this or, or no, this is the word of God and we need to receive what God's wanting us to know. Goes right into the third point. God uses sufferings to draw us to himself. He uses sufferings to draw us to himself. Really, it's the only place we must go. It says here in this passage, in verse 8, um, For this thing I besought the Lord three times. He went and he goes to the Lord and he prays. And, and, it, and I would say only three times. Many of us, we want to keep bringing those things up and bringing those things up. But, but the answer is always yes, no, or wait. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish that. Very hard. But it was determined. It was also in the life of the Lord Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. How many times did he pray? We know what he prayed. He said, Lord, take, Father, take this cup from me. Right? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Comes back and his disciples are sleeping. He goes and prays and comes back and they're sleeping. Goes and prays and then finally says, now's the time. He did it three times, didn't he? He prayed also, but... What does he pray there? We see the Lord Jesus' prayer. His prayer is, take, take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. You see, how did God the Father answer that prayer? God gave grace, didn't he? He gave strength for the Lord Jesus to endure the cross. And that really, the power of God would be on display through the resurrection. So these sufferings, these, these trials, these furnace of afflictions that we go through draw us to our knees and cause us to be men and women of prayer and cause us to be intimate with our God. And that is a valuable thing, not, not something we want to go through. But if you're like me, most of the times when things are going well and money's in the bank account and, and family's doing well, there's no illness, it's, it's very easy to... to to go away from God and not be as close and intimate with Him as we should be. So we ought to see the the sufferings and see the byproducts of these things as a gift from God and something God uses us to draw even closer. And as we get into God's Word and we see God's Word as a as a mirror, we and it examines our heart and shows us our sin and our inadequacies and our our helplessness and all these things in our life where we need the cleansing of the Word and. And it's his word as we meditate on it and study it and get close to God that he changes us. Folks, the truth is God's grace is sufficient and that his word is able to change us through the, through the power of the spirit. And it's his word as we get in the word of God, as we study it and we meditate on it, that, that whatever sin we struggle with, he can give vict- victory. He can change us. That is what the gospel is about, is it's changing lives. It's, it's the ministry of reconciliation. It's the hope that we have, that as we get in and we have that intimate, close relationship with God, that like Moses, when he went on up to the mount there, his face glowed with glory and they had to cover it up. So as we get in the word of God, we can be changed from glory to glory, but we've got to spend time 
with the Lord. And God uses sufferings and trials to cause us to get back in this book, to get close to him. But, oh, it's easy to go the other way and become angry and, and not want to get in here, but to run from him. But we need to run to him. He loves us. God, God uses, fourthly, God uses suffering to display his grace. To display his grace. It's what we need. And Paul says here, I am what I, well, not here, but another passage. He said, what I am, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's through these things as I've looked to him. I'm the least of the apostles. I persecuted the church. But we look back at him as the greatest missionary, the, the church planner, the, one of the pillars. Of course, Jesus is the, the foundation, but one of the pillars of the early church and of our church, the Christian church. But he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says here in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, God's grace is sufficient. It's, it's, it's sufficient for every need of the human heart. It's what we need. It's not psychologists and it's not man's wisdom. We need the word of God. That, that is what to help us. Not to say that there isn't. Uh, doctors and things are very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't go to doctors. I'm just saying that the word of God is, is what we need for our hearts, for, for us to be changed and for us to, to grow through the things that we go through. That we go through. And really, it's, it's displayed for God's glory. Um, someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? And he replied, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. <laughs> How often do we look at it that way? God's grace is sufficient. He wants to help us. God doesn't remove the pain or the trouble. He leaves it there because it's productive for us. Increase the the trial, increase the thing. God will increase the grace. God gives dying grace. He gives strength for perseverance. Think of Paul and and Silas singing in the jail in the stocks. That's the grace of God to be singing when you're in stocks and in prison and chains. That's the grace of God. You think of all, all the past, all the things, the Old Testament, New Testament. And Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, where it talks, though, you go through the fire, though, you go through the water, though, you go through all these things. I am with you. God didn't say I'll remove the water, I'll remove the fire. He says you'll go through it, but I'll be with you. I will be with you. In uh, reading to my kids, we were reading a, a um, missionary story by Amy Carmichael. Um, it's it's not an autobiography, but a biography about her. And uh, interesting uh, learning about her and her love for the Lord. But she is from, I think, like 1860 she was born it's years ago. But over in, in England, and I think she was in Scotland a little bit. Um, but really, God, when God did a work in her life and... God started working, and, and she started realizing the, the gospel. One of the messages that really worked on her, she asked God, how do I live this victorious Christian life? And she wanted to be determined and really wanted to fight and in the flesh. And, and it wasn't really in the message. It was in the closing prayer where someone prayed and just said, give it, live, really let God do it through you. Surrender yourself and let the grace of God change you and help you and strengthen you. And so as God changed her life, she, 
she started ministering to these these girls called the Shawley girls. They were the girls that wore the shawls. They didn't have enough money to wear hats because they worked in the factories and their parents, a lot of them were orphans and things. She started ministering to them and, and started a Bible study with them. And eventually she decided to move closer to them so she didn't have to take as much time to walk there and things. And she had to stay in an apartment where there was rats and bugs and things and she was not married and she went through those things. I think I have all my facts there right anyways. But she went through that and, and God gave grace for that and helped her. On her way to the mission field, and I don't um, know if you knew this. I didn't know this, that originally she went to Japan or was on her way to Japan. That's, all, that's as far as I've gotten in the book, okay? I'm pretty sure she went to India. Is that correct? When she was on the first boat, the boat was nice and it was, it was uh, you know, it was a good accommodations, However, they switched boats, and I think it was Shanghai or something like that, and they got in another boat, and that boat um, that boat was not nice. The other women that were in there, they saw the, the bugs and the rats and all those things, and they, they had a tough time. She remembered, though, the grace of God that helped her years ago when she was in that, that other apartment, helped her through those things. And she took these this trial for her. It's a big trial, I'm sure, for Leah, a big trial for me. I don't talks about her taking the, the sheets and, and uh, cleaning out the sheets to make sure that there was no rat droppings in it. To me, I would be like, <laughs> all asleep standing up? No. <clears throat> um, but do you know there was, uh, there was the captain on that boat? He knew that the accommodations were not good, and he was watching these Christian women. And he noticed this Amy, who wasn't complaining, wasn't having problems, but had a joy through that. You know, by the end of that, that voyage, I don't know how long that voyage was, he saw what Christ had done in her heart, and he wanted to know how he could have that same peace and joy. And the story says that he came to know the Lord. Young, single lady, and her testimony causing an old captain of a boat coming to know Christ. Folks, God's grace is sufficient. It's on display before the world in our homes, in our church. It's on display. It's on display at the workplace over at Irving. we got unsaved people over there. Um, and we don't, don't want to do it just because they're there, obviously, but it's on display for them to see Christ in us. Lastly, God uses suffering to perfect his power in our lives. If anything, God gives us these trials so that we might see when we're weak, then we can be strong. It's at these times in our lives where there's no other way but, but for God to do a work that God shows himself mighty and strong. And that his power is, is made strong and perfected in our life. We've seen that time and time again with the Irving. If nothing else, folks, God is displaying his power and his grace and his goodness to us through all this project over at the Irving property. And it will be the... If we don't get the lessons along this journey, he's going to teach you to some other way. But, you know, that's that's what he's doing through this this process. And I'm looking forward to it being finished, but let's not neglect the journey along the way. God is at work. Even in our toughest problems, our toughest trials, our sufferings, he's, he's using this as a gift for us to grow us closer to him. How are you doing with allowing this trial in your life, whatever it might be. Maybe you're not in a trial right now. 
how are you allowing the trials you're going through, the sufferings, though? How are you doing? Are you submitting to that? Are you, are you thanking God, counting it all joy? Are you trusting Him and allowing Him to do His work of grace? He can do that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.